I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Nats were buzzing and the Lightning hung on to a 2-1 win over the Blue Jackets to take a 3-1 lead in their series over Columbus. For the Nats, well, John Cooper will tell you it's Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and Barclay Goodrow. And they won the game for the Bolts on Monday. The Bucks hit the practice field in pads for the first time and Tom Brady's first pass in 11-on-11 drills. Well, a touchdown, of course, to Scotty Miller. We'll tell you what else we learned from that workout. And the Rays are set to begin their critical series in New York against the Yankees. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick and Steve, all I got to say uh, about the Lightning game, they didn't uh, start out very well. I thought Columbus came out on fire, uh, and one goal, of course, was called back. Uh, the first goal by Columbus uh, took a 1-0 lead because of an offsides. But after that, um, they settled down, uh, hung on. They got a 2-0 lead, just 2-1. And then, um, man, you, you got to give it to this this line of, of Yanni freaking Gord and Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau. Uh, Coleman and Goodrow, you know, were brought here as part of uh, trades before the deadline. Um, but that, that to me, is, is the line that uh, not only dominated but won this game. It was by far their best line. And as Phil Esposito said in the postgame show, he would have given all three of them stars if he didn't have to include Vasilevsky as a star. <laughs> right, um, right. So he really wanted to give out four stars today because that line uh, was by far the most dominant for the Lightning they were constantly in the offensive zone, constantly forechecking, constantly pressuring, uh, constantly making things happen, uh, forcing Columbus turnovers. Uh, you, you know, I, I didn't think the Lightning played that great today. I thought I thought they got better as the game went along, and each period mm-hmm. got better. I thought the second was better than the first, and the third they played better than the second. Uh, but they were still fighting the puck quite a bit. Um, There's a lot of turnovers, uh, some some carelessness, some. Just some, you know, bad passes. You know, that's when you know the Lightning aren't playing very well when their passes aren't either crisp or they're making right, bad yeah. passes. Mm-hmm. Um, trying some drop passes that nobody's home, things like that. Um, but Andre Vasilevsky was good. But yeah, th- that line that John Cooper called pests and gnats. Yeah, the gnats. Um, you know, they were uh, Yanni Gord now with with Coleman and you know Yanni Gord early in the year. Played with uh, what was it, Maroon and Paquette, I believe. Right, and, and mm-hmm. around the time they went to Sweden to play Buffalo, and and they were they were the most dominant line for the Lightning at that point. Yanni Gord went through a stretch this season of what thirty five games without a goal. Yeah, um, still played fairly well during that stretch, but was kind of moved up around to some different lines. But with him and Coleman and Goodrow, who are when when, when those three players are going well individually they're a pain in the neck of the other team. Right. They're causing havoc. They're in front of the net. They're 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 making they're hitting you, they're checking you, they're forechecking you, they're pressuring you. And those three together have found some great chemistry. I mean, we know Coleman and Goodrow have chemistry. We've seen on the on the penalty kill particularly. Mm-hmm. They're very good together on the penalty kill. Now you add Yanni Gord centering that line and it's like that penalty kill but now you've added a third guy. Their their styles are very similar. 
and and right. they and they seem to work really well together, and they've really kind of found a, a chemistry and a line that can really cause havoc for the other team, um, and really, really make it uncomfortable for them. And it and it worked to perfection with both you know Goodrow and Yanni Gord getting the goals today in that two to one win. It seemed as if they were on the ice the whole time. I mean, I I, I didn't really notice a lot of the other lines, including including Kucherov. Um, noticed Hedman a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, didn't notice Tyler Johnson and and so forth. Um, but you know the the thing that these guys do, and they talked about it after the game that they're they're not flashy by any by any measure, but they're very accountable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They they don't make mistakes. They don't leave uh, the defense out to drive for some odd man rushes and things like this. I mean, they're they're just very solid uh, in their physical. And I mean, you're talking about Gord. This guy to me, you know, I, I I mean, Paquette used to have this role to some extent, but like. You know, Gord, you know, he's all of about, what, 175 or something like that. He's not not by far the biggest guy. Um, but he just he just gets under your skin. And he's winning battles everywhere, um, you know, against the boards and, and just digging things out and standing, you know, right in the crease. Uh, got the tip, which was, you know, the, what proved to be the, the game-winning goal. And, I mean, um, you know, the guy has just – he's played so big for a little guy. It's cliche, I know. Um, John Romano wrote a pretty good column in the Tampa Bay Times about Gord and um, some of the things I know Lightning fans are probably familiar with, but I, I necessarily was not. And that is that, you know, he grew up in Quebec. Of course, he was he was the typical runt, you know, um, never that big or good. Um, but he did win uh, Quebec's major junior hockey league MVP back in 2012, and he wasn't drafted. Um, the Sharks signed him in mm-hmm. San Jose. They cut him a year later. He spent four years in the minors. In the ECHL. He yeah. spent several of those in the ECHL, which not many players who play no. in the ECHL make the NHL, let alone to the level that Yanni Gord has, in, in, including the contract he signed. That's right. And, and he was always, you know, there were other guys, the Lightning were promoting guys that were younger than him, uh, ahead of him. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, he's two years removed from when he scored 25 goals um, when he was, I guess he was a rookie at like age 26. And, um, you know, and then, then he's asked to, to play defense first on a, on a fourth line. Uh, but man, you know, that's, and that's one of the things I love about playoff hockey is that it makes, it makes stars out of guys that maybe weren't that during the regular season. Well, if you remember, you know, one of the things that once you get to the playoffs is one, you've got the best teams. Yes, but two, you're playing a little tighter. You're not taking as many chances. The officials right. are swallowing their whistle some. That's right. And so, a lot of times, the top couple lines will cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. You know, the top line for Columbus and, and Tampa Bay they kind of cancel each other. It doesn't mean they don't score anything, but this line gets a couple goals. This line gets a couple goals. It's usually that third or fourth line that makes a difference. And if you remember, was it four years ago against the Penguins? Uh, you know, they held Sidney Crosby and Malkin in, in check for the most part in that series. But it was the HBK line. It was Carl Haglin, and it was uh, Phil Kessel, and uh, I don't remember who the B one was, but uh, <laughs> Benino, Benino. Um, okay. But it was that line, that third line, that just that kept scoring and kept making a difference in that series. And Tampa Bay had no answer to them because your top defensive pairs were out against Crosby and Malkin and and that, and they had this third line that you couldn't stop. So often in the playoffs, that third and fourth line matters. They don't get as much ice time, but when they're out there. They're generally going against weaker pairs, defensive pairs, 
and, and they're out there in situations where you're trying to, to, to make an impact in that. And when you have good third and fourth lines, that's how you can make a deep run in the playoffs. Right. That's your advantage because, as you mentioned, they could cancel each other out in the first first line. So this is the, this is the CGG line or the GGC line or the GCG line. Yeah, something um, like that. Something like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, what's interesting is that, that uh, Cooper and talking about, you know, the, the line came together, I mean, really in the restart. I mean, they, were, they had not mm-hmm. played uh, as a line, obviously, during the regular season before uh, the COVID. And, and Cooper just figured, well, they all play kind of similar styles. So, you know, move Gord back to center and, and see, see how, they, how they play together. And voila, it's been magic. And, um, you know, it's kind of the way the, the you know, look, the, the triplets a few years ago came right. about. It was kind of some injuries and just kind of threw them out there on the ice. And wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Johnson and Pilata played a lot together and, and, and Kucherov had played with them in the minors and that, but they hadn't always been on a line together like that. And, right. you know, he kind of threw them out there out of necessity at the time and it, it worked. I mean, sometimes, mm-hmm. and Cooper talked about it in the post game on, on Monday. He said, look, I've, I've created a lot of line combinations and, you know, there are a lot of them that didn't work at all. This one is, you know, working, and you know, and, and sometimes you do that. I mean, you you try to figure out, okay, I think these three players can play together, and sometimes you put it out there and it works, and other times it's, eh. it, they didn't have that chemistry, but this one is is really working so far and kind of carrying the lightning through this series. But imagine being like a couple years removed from scoring twenty six goals, right? And you're Yanni Gord, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you get into this horrific sort of weird slump where you go thirty five games between goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet he didn't, uh, you know. And Romano wrote this like he he didn't whine about it. He didn't pout. Um, you know, obviously he was upset. He wasn't contributing more on the offensive side. Um, but he he just did as much as he could and had as much impact as he could. Um, you know, on the defensive end. And you know, he he kept this mentality that uh, you know he said when he came back. He needed to uh, to have a little more composure and, and a little more poise and, and know that he can still win battles and, and do some of the things that, you know, may not include scoring that he can take some pride in. And, boy, has he done that. Because, um, as you mentioned, he was with Maroon and Paquette earlier. So it's just I, – I love the guy. I mean, the guy is, is uh, has just been – you know, he's sort of that every man, right? You can see, you can see, because it's hard sometimes to be honest with you. None of, I can't skate. Probably many people in Florida can't skate. And you look at these big guys flying up and down the ice that have all this size and power and speed. Uh, and then you see a guy like Yanni Gordon, you go, yeah, that guy, that guy looks like your neighbor. You know <laughs> what I mean? He's just five foot, whatever. Well, doesn't, doesn't Tampa Bay have a history of this? I mean, you know, yeah. on, on the same team right now, Tyler Johnson's one of those guys. That's that right. You look at, but Marty St. Louis is the ultimate one. He's the ultimate. You yeah, know, yeah. That, that they signed as a free agent after he was, you know, cut by right. Calgary and, and ends up in the hall of fame and, right. you know, some of the biggest moments in Tampa Bay history and probably the best player ever in Tampa Bay history. Right. Um, you know, the, the, you know, these undersized guys, you can't count them out. I mean, if you've got heart, right. You know, and that, you know, you've got to want it and you've got to work at it. I mean, you know, right. Marty St. Louis, no one worked harder than him. Right. And every one of his teammates will tell you that. You know, he didn't get there by accident. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Yanni Gord's kind of that same mold. Uh, you know, and Tampa Bay has a history of a lot of players like this. So, And they, they had given up some leads before. Um, this mm-hmm. one was interesting because w- when they had the 2-1 to lead and it got to be, you know, about midway through the third third period, maybe even earlier than that, 
it was just obvious that they were going to choke the life out of Columbus. <laughs> I mean, um, scoring would have been nice, but it wasn't a requirement. Well, but, but, but let's go back to that the, the goal that made it 2-1. to one. So the Lightning yeah. in the second period get two quick goals. Right. Uh, Barkley Goodrow was 16 seconds into the period, and then Yanni Gords was four or five minutes in. I don't remember exactly. Right. And about a minute or two later, before the first television timeout, Columbus gets their goal. Mm-hmm. And Atkinson bumped Vasilevsky as the puck's coming up, and he, you know, it goes in, it hits him and goes in. And the Lightning chose not to challenge for goalie interference. Yeah. Probably Which, a smart decision because if they don't get it, it's a power play. Well, and that, and Cooper talked about it afterwards. He said, look, you've got to make sure you've got it right because mm-hmm. you've got a 2-0 lead. And if yeah. you got it wrong, they get the goal plus a power play. Right. And he said, look, we, we were up 2 nothing. We already we had the lead. Even after the goal, we have the lead. But right. the other part of it does is it shows your team confidence that you got this. Yeah, we'll, we'll stop them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that we're good. That, yeah, we had a two goal lead. We gave up a goal, but we're good. We still have a lead. You yeah. know, and that's what, you know, the night, uh, what, the game before they had, they were up uh, two goals and then gave up a goal. Right. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, part of that was, you know, it was, didn't want to take the penalty and, and potentially give them a power play because. While it looked like it probably was goalie interference, you could have made a case that the puck was past Vasilevsky when the contact was made, and they would have let it stand. Probably right. would have let it stand, even though sure. I think it was interference. But So it was a good call by them not to do that, but it also it also showed confidence in our team that, hey, and even though they weren't playing their best game that night, uh, we've got this. We're okay. You know, We don't need to challenge that goal because we're not sure we're going to get it, so... You know, I think that was a good move by John Cooper and the coaching staff, and and just like it was to challenge that first goal, which huge. If they don't, if that goal stands, whether Texier, you know, if Dubois doesn't pause at the blue line, Texier's right. then onside, and that goal, I think it's a whole different game because Columbus, Columbus was outplaying Tampa Bay big time that first period. They were, and and they didn't get rewarded for it. And and I wanted to ask you too because that. That challenge came so fast that I know they got you know Nigel and those guys mm-hmm. in the in the video um, are responsible for for alerting you know the mm-hmm. bench or, or whomever you know yes no challenge, but there was virtually like almost no time lapse at all. The goal was scored and then boom. Well, but the, but if you remember, they were in the offensive zone for a while. Yeah. So look, when they but was cr- it that obvious to you that he was offside? Well, I mean, not the not the view we saw initially, but the the views yeah. that they they have, I believe they have more views than than you know just what's on regular television. Well, they're also there, so yeah. that helps. Yeah. But well, you know, but so they have the cameras. As soon as they're crossing the line, they're checking. Was that offside or not? Whether a goal went in, or they don't wait for the goal to score and then go check. I got you. They're checking immediately, like. So they knew while it's while the play is happening that uh, that he entered offside, yeah. and that this this would be a possible review if they score. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see Texier doing that, but I mean, there's been times where you know when you're at the arena and you'll kind of see, and I'm like, I think they were offside, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll make a mental note of it, and if a goal goes in, then immediately I'm checking: are they challenging this? Because you know, I kind of noticed as they're crossing the gotcha. line. Now, when you're watching on TV, it's a little harder; you don't always see the line. Or you know, the your, whole ice. Your first replay or two they showed, you couldn't see Texier going offside. He wasn't even in the picture. Um, That's right. He had to go to a different camera view. So, I mean, you, you know, when you're in the arena, it's a little easier to, when you're up that high to go, hey, he looked offside. Um, you know, so, but when you're watching it on television like we have to now because we're not in Toronto covering the games, you didn't notice it at first. But, you know, as quickly as they challenged it, you were pretty confident they knew it was offside. Right. You know, when, when you challenge it that quick, that, that usually means you, you've got it. I mean, yeah. 
granted, the NHL, funny things can happen, but. Yeah. I just want to give some love to the video crew. <laughs> you know what? So, the, you know, you need six stars today. You need. Uh, yes, you know, right. I the, need the three Gord in line, line. The two video guys. Vasilevsky and and two video. So there's your six stars. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? I mean, you go off, you know, you call room service and order your steak or whatever the hell they can do in the bubble these days. And, you you know, you send a little extra, little extra beverage or something over there tonight and say, hey, good job. You you kept your job for another week. Um, it, it's just uh, it, it was a huge it was a huge turning point. I mean, I'm watching this thing. I turn it on. I got back from the Bucks, and um, it hadn't game hadn't been on long. And then a friend of mine um, was down the street getting off a conference call, and he texted me. He goes, "What the heck? They're down one nothing already." And before I, I could read the text, they'd already reversed it. And that's how quickly things happen. But mm-hmm. um, but it you, it you did have a sort of like ooh, you know, this has been a bad start for the Lightning. Well, um, and, and based on the way they were playing. I mean, sometimes you're playing yeah. well and you let a goal and you're like, okay, it, you yeah, know, you're like down happens, one nothing. Yeah. But the way right, they right. were playing and to be down one nothing was like you just but felt that momentum that momentum could have been huge. And so by getting it reversed, that that really that really changed the momentum obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, you got it back and you've kind of, you know, dodged dodged the proverbial bullet there, but um but yeah, so that that was a that was a huge play in the game obviously and um, but this game will be remembered, and maybe this series too, for just the the relentlessness of of guys like Yanni Gord. But there's still there's still one game uh, from clinching this series. The they fourth game to, is always the hardest one to win. This is what they say. Um, and so, uh, I personally believe that this series has been as close, maybe closer than what it, it indicates at three one right now. But uh, the games themselves have been very close, including the five overtime game that could have gone either way. So. I'm st- I'm still thinking we haven't seen the end of Columbus here. I think they may, um, you know, maybe they close it out, and that would be that would be beneficial to them from a rest standpoint. Um, but boy, Columbus, Columbus just seems like one of those teams is going to make you go six or seven games to me. Well, I, I think you're going to see them much like they did in Game Four, come out with a big push, fire. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. now how everything happens off that, and how the, the how the Lightning withstand that. That push right. and and you know how the game flows will determine a lot of things. You know, you get a couple early goals on that, and Columbus may pack it in. Right. You know that. I mean, that would be ideally in, in Game Five. Is you know you get a couple early goals in the first period, and Columbus just kind of goes, okay, it's not our year, mm-hmm. and packs it in. Now that's not generally their their mo, especially for a Tortorella team. But you know, you get those two goals, you never know. Now you go down two goals in that game. Yeah. And now they they start puffing their chest out a little bit. And sure. You know, they start trying to lean on you on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, but being up 3 1 is a lot better than 2 2. Oh, of course. And, uh, you know, ifs and buts and all that stuff doesn't really matter. Um, there were some some things that could have happened a year ago where the Lightning, you know, mm-hmm. might have won game one and the whole thing is different. You know, uh, the whole series turns. So, right now they got a 3 1 lead. They uh, now, now, as it stands, do we have any idea? Let's say they close it out here in the next day or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then they wait for the winner of whom? I mean, it looks like Philadelphia is going to beat Montreal, so they wouldn't be playing them. So they reseed at the end of each round. Gotcha. So assuming Philly beats Montreal, then the Lightning at that point would face most likely the Islanders, who are up 3 nothing on the Capitals and playing yeah. really well. Yeah. Again, that's the team. Columbus and the Islanders were the two teams I don't want the Lightning to face. 
Right. And that may be the first two rounds for the Lightning. Now, if, mm. if Montreal beats Philly, the Lightning would play Montreal. Right. So that, that series that is, series is 2 1. Over. They're going to play this yeah. afternoon, game four. Right. Uh, so it's not over yet, but. No, um, I, I, yeah, that's true. It's not. I mean, it's a one nothing game yeah. the last game. So right, I think Philly wins it, but yeah, it's it's only mm-hmm. two one series. They'll play game four this afternoon. So, yeah. um, I know you like day hockey. The Lightning are playing at noon on Wednesday. Love it. So I think there's five. That's almost too five early games that day. So yeah. yeah, yeah, you may miss some with if there's Bucks. Practice. I'll be on a Zoom call with you know, BA or or some assistant coach probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Um, they kind of just give us a smorgasbord, but yeah, I won't be back from, uh, from the Advent healthcare center. I'll be getting a COVID test, something like that yeah. by the time they come on. So, so that's yeah, a little, but the lightning get the noon start on, on, uh, Wednesday. So I think there's five games that day in the NHL. So fun. Well, day if they clinch, that's a few extra hours, right? A few extra hours to rest up. That, well, absolutely. Um, you know, you know I don't think the second round's going to start till next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose if all the series end early, maybe they will could start this weekend. But um, I, I think some of the series may go into the weekend. So probably, yeah. And with reseeding, you can't really start a round before the next round. Yeah, for the most part, because you have to wait to see what happens in each series to know how the reseeding goes. So, you know, there were a couple of hits in that game, and and I mean, Alex Kalorn, I thought had a really bad one. He came back mm-hmm. from that, looked like maybe he got his shoulder. He got boarded pretty well. Yep. Um, trying to think of who else got drilled. Sergeyev uh, uh, got Sergeyev. hit. Yeah, uh, McDonough took a, a puck off the face shield, which yeah, that, was, deflected. And I mean, it was that was innocent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, but. happens. Looked bad, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he toughed it out and came back. They all, I think they everybody all, came know, back. Yeah, everybody. Sergeyev came, came back. back yeah, too. he took his next shift. I mean, uh, he so was you don't to get think off the ice, but you don't think there's any, a couple things. Okay, one. Are they going to feel that in the morning, right? Is this wow. going to affect them in the next game at some point? I mean, it's got to, right? I mean, you can't wake up feeling great after that. And then two, I mean, will they? Will the NHL take a look at any of those hits and, and decide anything? Or is it because it's I, the playoffs? Unless it's more egregious, they're not going to do anything. I didn't see anything that was fine worthy in those. I mean, okay. you know, there was a boarding penalty called on the, the one against Killorn and Yeah. Um, no, I, did, I didn't see anything that was fine worthy in those. So you got to, like, launch yourself or – you yeah, know, I mean, you know, I mean, they're, they're hockey weapon, plays. Those are right. hockey plays. Those aren't, you know, malicious, yeah. I'm trying to hurt you plays. Have a switchblade on you, something like yeah. that. Yeah, essentially. Takes a lot. Yeah, takes a lot to get thrown out of a playoff game, I guess. Even though Kucherov managed to do it a couple of years ago. No, he wanted <laughs> <So>. to, though. <laughs> he was looking to. Oh, was he? Was he uh, now? I mean, I mean he was you so, know something we know. Well, no, he was so frustrated. <laughs> what I'm saying is he was so frustrated, he was just taking everything out on everybody. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they were down what o two. Didn't going, put his team. They were going a, down o two, and so yeah, he didn't put up, his team in a great position, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that was more out of frustration than it was. Yeah. Than intent. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Well, we'll see what happens to them. Uh, in the meantime, I was at uh, the Advent Healthcare Center over in uh, the great uh, Tampa area, uh, West Shore area, I guess you call it. I don't know what you call that area, actually, MLK and Himes. Um, and so, you know, this was a uh, this was the first padded practice. If you think about it, on I guess it would have been, uh, what, Friday, I think they would have played their first preseason game at Pittsburgh. So we're a couple days removed. Yeah, I believe from it was. Would, yeah, I believe it was last Friday. Was yeah, Friday. when they would have played their first game up there. Um, and instead, they had their first uh, OTA um, practice where they were able to go up against um, the defense for the first time uh, that, that they since this, this, you know, rollout of the slow rollout of the offseason um, with the strength and conditioning and whatnot. We've seen some, you know, some pat and goes and you know, some throwing, you know, passing camps, if you will, out there, um, but nothing against the defense. And, of course, we didn't get to see that, although Peter King, not that I'm bitter, but I am, uh, he got to uh, he got to watch that and wrote, wrote all about it in his What do you uh, think NBC. you think? Here's what I think I think. I think I was the only one to see Tom Brady's first huddle with the Bucs, and, you know, his arm looked really strong. He was throwing fastballs. And I wrote about it about 20, I think it was like 77,000 words in my Monday column about Tom Brady. Where's and the Fox also, 13 helicopters when we need them? Yeah, right? Yeah. Come on, Kevin O'Donnell. I mean, you know, if you want to film a practice we're not allowed to go to, that would have been the one, don't you think? <laughs> and everybody would have just thought it was landing on, on uh, St. Joe's, nor- on St. Joe's yeah. helo pad over there. Nobody would have thought anything of it. Um, except for the big thirteen on the wing or whatever they got, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, we could we could have used a little uh, little surveillance there. But Peter King got it to himself, and then we got to uh, uh, to go and and, and see the uh, the padded version of that, which which was I guess as I read about it and then wrote about this one in the Tampa Bay Times. You can read it on TampaBay.com. Was very similar because um, Tom Brady uh, looked pretty good and. Um, you know the first, in fact uh, they came out and of course they you know they 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 do special teams and then you see uh, you know who's returning punts and uh, you know Scotty Miller by the way was the first guy in line for that um, followed by TJ Logan and uh, even saw Sean Murphy bunting back there uh, and then you know they go to their individual groups and and you know work on different things you know ball drills handoffs and and whatnot and then eventually. Uh, the defense came over, and that's the point where they told all the cameras they had to leave after about a half hour, so we didn't get to film any of it. But we did get to watch, and uh, they came out, and their first three plays were running plays. Defense did pretty good. I think Logan might have broke one. I'm not sure. He did break one during the day, but I don't know if it was in that series. And then play number four, here it was, right? Play action. Uh I should do it like as as Pat Summerall. Brady takes the snap. He's back to pass. He's looking long. It's a long bomb to Miller. He's at the 20, the 10, the 15, the 5 touchdown. And so it was a beautifully thrown ball. Um, if you're going to do the Summerall, though, you got to do the John Madden on the replay. Well, I can't. See, I can't. I'm not a big. Here's our guy. I, I can't do Madden very well. But the thing is, is that. Um, you could not have, I mean, you could not have, quote, scripted uh, a, a better start to practice for Tom Brady and the Bucks 
um, than getting, uh, you know, getting the suck up on the linebackers and the safeties and then watching Scotty Miller run by him. And then just a perfectly thrown ball, about 40, 45 yards in the air, I would, I would guess, I'd estimate. But he can't throw and, the long ball. But he can't throw the long ball. And so uh, erroneous, erroneous. We saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. It was a fake tight news? spiral. It was fake news. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous, except to the trained eye. As I talked to coaches afterward, it was, yeah, it has a beautiful pass, wasn't it? Yeah, he'd have been sacked. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got beat. Our left guard got beat. I go, you mean Marpet? Yeah, our first group. Yeah, he got beat. He, he'd have been sacked. And, but, of course, after the practice, that didn't stop. And then, of course, you know, so Miller gets in the end zone. He don't know what's going on behind him. He just made a great, great touchdown. So he's holding the ball up, you know, um, you know, like, like – like it's a uh, a raffle ticket. I won. I won. And so he's, he's he's marching off in the end zone, and they're high fiving or, or you know, fist pumping or whatever they do in a socially distanced area. And so it's ridiculous, right? You can you can lean on a guy, sweat and tackle, but don't don't high five him. Um, and so, uh, you know, they're whoop, they're whooping it up pretty good. But yeah, uh, what what actually what happened was Marpet got beat. I guess there would have been pressure, and I don't think that ball gets off if you could hit the guy that's not wearing the uh, you know orange creamsicle uh, non-contact jersey with number 12 on it. So um, whoever whoever won inside, I don't know if it was Vea or Sue or whoever, um, maybe they had some kind of stunt on. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure that one would have gone on. But we were talking, um, you know, after practice uh, and uh, Larry Foote, who's uh, the outside linebackers coach mm-hmm. for the Bucks, he was a team. And this yes, gives you was. an idea how long Brady's been in the league. He was a teammate of Brady's at Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now the guy's a coach um, on the team with Brady as a 43-year-old quarterback. But uh, he said, yeah, he goes, you know, Tom, Tom's the same, the same as he was at Michigan. He's talking smack after practice. He goes, <laughs> he's talking trash. If he makes a pass, he's celebrating, he's hooting, hollering. He goes, he sees me in the hallway talking about how they won the day. And, you know, he says he's just like the rest of the coaching staff. They don't count the sacks and those other things. Um but he said, "Yeah, you know, he, you know, that's that's why he's the best. Is why he's the best, and he looked great out there." Um, and he did. Now, uh, you know, we know that Mike Edwards, of course, in reading Peter King's column, Mike Edwards had a bet with Sean Murphy, Bunting, and Jamal Dean about who would intercept Brady the first time, and Edwards won because Edwards had had the first interception on Friday in the OTAs. Uh, when they went against him the first time, but um, on you know on Monday when they did it in pads, um, Brady also threw an interception. This time, let's see if I can find the guy's name because I had to actually I had to look at my roster and go wait. Woo! Um, he's an Oklahoma undrafted free agent from Oklahoma, and uh, his name is Parnell Motley. And people apparently in the Big Twelve know him very well because I was like. A rather unknown uh, free agent corner from Oklahoma. They're like, what do you mean unknown? The guy was great. He was like all Big Twelve. I'm like, well, he wasn't drafted, so I don't. What do I know? Um, anyway, he had yeah, the but uh, he, the Big Twelve. Is there really an all big? big is all there defensive a defensive team? team? <laughs> yeah, what does that in the mean? Big Twelve. I mean, really? Yeah, what, I mean, what does that mean? They don't play the. It's like the Arena <laughs> League, right? It's like, hey, you're the Arena League cornerback of the year. That's great. Yeah, we gave up ninety <laughs> points a game. Uh, so yeah, Parnell Motley's. You know, I'd make a joke, but it'd be politically incorrect. So he he uh, he jumped an out route to uh, to Mike Evans and and uh, made a diving interception and so that was like a big deal. He actually had another one 
later in the day on Blaine Gabbard, I believe. So like he was the 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 all you know all uh, eleven on eleven guy on uh, on Monday, but um and and you know the, it's just the intensity. Um, we talked talked to OJ Howard was one of the guys we talked to on Zoom, and he was like, you know, the defense gets pretty fired up to play Brady. <laughs> they get pretty amped. And uh, so it's, you know, it, it raises their level. And you know what? That's that's not a bad defense for Brady to go against either. I mean, you know, clearly the guy that's got six Super Bowl rings and been to nine of them knows what a good defense looks like. But, um, you know, Todd Bowles, when they play these periods, these these, these team drills, um, and, and they were in pads, they were, they were going kind of full speed, but obviously you're not tackling guys to the ground. But they, um, you know, Bowles brings a lot of pressure. He's got tons of pressure packages. And so, you know, Brady, who is, according to Arians, about 90% dialed into the um, to the playbook, is having to think and think in real time and, and things are happening. He wants, he wants that fast, full-speed look. So that's what he's getting from this defense. And so it's a good test. Um, it's, it, it's In many ways, you know, you talk about Brady being a good test for the defense. So this is a really good test for Brady. Um, so, you know, he's, he, um, you know, he, he looked sharp. I mean, other than that interception, um, he missed a couple other throws, but boy, there weren't many. I mean, the ball does not hit the ground a whole lot. It's on target. Guys have a chance to run after the catch. Um, you know, after practice, we talked to Bruce Arians about some things and, um, you know, one, one of them was Howard. I mean, Howard and and Peter King wrote about Howard as well but Howard is one of those guys that we all know has this you know just incredible physical talent right i mean he was what is he 66 or 65 66 you know ran a a 44 or 451 i think it was 451 at 255 pounds i mean it's just or 251 he's just he's just an incredible athlete um who also plays tight end and and he's had you know frankly at least two of the three years have been disappointing. Two of them ended in injury. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think he had six or seven touchdowns. Uh, but last year was definitely his last year, and there were talks about him maybe being traded and you know different things like this. Um, and you know, and, and, and you know, so Brady comes in here and looks at this guy and he goes, "Geez, you know, boy, could I use somebody like this?" And Gronkowski, you know, is also. Um, you know, telling Howard, you know, you have all the ability here. You just need to learn the game, you know. And, and so Brady's constantly coaching all the players, but particularly his receivers. Uh, and uh, and Peter had written about this. We asked, you know, and, and that's what OJ said. He goes, look, he co- coaches all of us on every play. And so, you know, things like when um, when OJ would run downfield on certain routes, um, you know, he, he wouldn't square his shoulders and run away from the quarterback. He'd be looking sort of back over his shoulder for the ball while he's running. And that, that t- negates your four five one speed. Now you're just like everybody else. So, you know, Brady has, has constantly got on him about, you know, square your shoulders and just run. You know, I'll put it on your hip. Don't worry. Don't worry. You'll find the ball. Unlike uh, a certain quarterback that was here for five years, you know, that wasn't as accurate. I think they can trust Brady to put the ball in the right spot if they're in the right spot. And that's going to be the key. How often can those guys be precise um, and Brady can trust they're going to be where they need to be. Um, but Brady has built already a pretty good chemistry with most of his receivers. Godwin um, certainly didn't drop any balls. Evans looked good. Um, you know, we saw Gronkowski. Obviously, he knows better than anybody. Brady caught a few balls. So, you know, it, it, it looked okay, but it was only it was only practice number one. But they only have 13 more to go in the next, uh, what, 14 days or so, uh, 15 days. So, um, 
yeah, before they before long they'll be they'll be uh lining up in New Orleans and and that's the thing. New Orleans has, you know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees and 215 games together. So that's a that's a big obstacle. Speaking of, of football, it's always a, an awkward segue. Uh, reminds me of Chris Berman when he'd be like giving NFL countdown. Ah, that's some, some sad news. And so Gerald McCoy, who is in his first year with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, I think he signed a three-year deal with them. But um, first padded practice, goes out there and is engaged with a blocker and then gets stepped on and ends up with a uh, like a torn quad, uh, quad injury and um, is out for the season. They thought maybe it was an ACL. It turns out uh, either way uh, is bad, and it's season-ending. You know, and you know, for a guy like McCoy, who came out in 2010, he's like, what, 34 years, 30, 32, 33 years old, something like that. I think he's 32. Um, who knows? You know, he's, he's going to fight to come back, and you'd expect him to, uh, to try to come back. But, you know, what I love about Gerald is that, is that he's always Gerald, you know. And he's a very prideful guy. We know that when he played with the Bucks, and took a lot of grief and a lot of blame for you know crappy defenses that he was a part of, but not the reason they were crappy. Um, and of course, never went to the playoffs. But um, the one thing Gerald is 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 a good human, and there, there's not enough of those around in football or in life, really. Uh, and so uh, Ed Werder, our good friend, of course from ESPN, um, got a hold of Gerald and got a. Um, I got a text from him. He was, I think he was the only one that he texted uh, back. Um, and Ed, so Ed broke this basically, but he, uh, you know, he thanked the fans and the Jones family for, you know, for giving him a, an opportunity to come and help the team. And, you know, he said how much he was looking forward, you know, to the, this opportunity and says he's going to, you know, continue to try to be a mentor and do everything he can to help the young guys and, you know, help the team as much as he can. Um, but, his perspective, his self-awareness is the thing that I like love about Gerald is that is that, you know, he said, like, as far as my mindset, people deal with real problems every day, especially now with the state of our country and you know, lots of pain and heartache there's taking place right now. Um, you know, obviously with the pandemic and the fight for social justice, he said that, you know, in retrospect, what I'm dealing with is minimal compared to that. Therefore, um, you know, this is a fight, uh, you know, that, that, uh, he's going to take on and he goes, anybody that knows me knows. I love a challenge challenge accepted. I'll be back and be better. Let's get it. And so it's just so refreshing to, to, you know, in in the, uh, what was had to be one of the tougher days of his career. I mean, here's a guy that went to Oklahoma, you know, the Cowboys were, were the team in that part of the country. He gets a chance to wear the star in his helmet in the first day has sort of a freakish injury and uh, and who knows? I mean, um, you know, I know he'll do everything to come back and leave on his own terms. Um, but he's going to go a year without tape and, you know, he's not getting any younger. So we wish Gerald well, but mostly uh, he's just a cool person. And um, I never understood why, why people, a lot, some people in this area didn't like him. I understood that they were frustrated they didn't win. Um, but I always thought he got way too much uh, blame for, for that. And uh, so hopefully he gets back and uh, and gets better. All right, so we started with Nats. Let's end with Savages. What's going to happen now? Uh, this series against the Yankees, I think, is going to continue to be a little chippy as it was at the Trop when they when the Rays took three out of four, what was it, about a week ago. Yeah, I don't know what the Yankees' problem with the Rays are, but, you know, it's if the Rays try to throw inside, you can't do that, but the Yankees do it all the time and hit Rays batters, and that's okay. 
Right. That's um, just pitching inside. Yeah. The, the Yankees can chirp all game, and when the Rays take a lead and chirp back, it's not okay. So, you know, I, I guess yeah. that's how savages roll. <laughs> not so savage-like, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's still in the middle of this the longest road trip of the year and um, could make, make up some ground on the Yankees, or you hope if you're the race, uh, at the very least, not, not give up any more ground. They're two, what, two, two and a half back, something like that. Um, so they're right in the thick of things, obviously, and especially with the expanded format that they have with the playoffs this year, they're they're in pretty good shape there. So uh, we'll see if they can keep the bats going at Yankee Stadium. Not been a place, by the way, they have done very well of late, to say the least. No, but they I, was it last year? Didn't they sweep a series up there last year? I don't know. Did they at the end of the year? Maybe was it last year or two years ago? They went up. They swept a series in Boston and they swept one in New York. And it was yeah, traditionally yeah. They, they they struggle more. Of course, they're on a roll in Boston right now. I mean, I don't, they won so many games there. It's not even funny for whatever reason at Fenway. But um, yeah, Yankee Stadium. I mean, the Yankees in general haven't been a, a great matchup for them over the years. But no, uh, I think they've only won the series three times in their history. But you know, certainly Yankee Stadium, but with again without the fans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Going to negate some of that. So, yeah, they just need to keep it going and eventually find their way back here to the Trop and still be still be in the hunt. So, we'll be following all of that. Um, we will update you on uh, the Lightning situation as they prepare to play. Uh, I guess what would be now Game Five. That's of correct. Their yep. best of seven. I got it right this time, and then. Back out at the Bucks, uh, bright and early tomorrow morning, uh, taking my COVID test and then watching Tom Brady and practice number two of uh, 14 in pads. And we'll bring you that. We also are going to have uh, Zoom calls. See who's on the list tomorrow. I think it's uh, I think it's Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, who we just the aforementioned mentioned him a minute ago. Um, let's see. Oh, also uh, Donovan Smith. Remember he was – considering opting mm-hmm. out and, and question whether the risk was too great now that he's uh, a first-time father and everything's fine with his little girl and and wife uh, we'll have a chance to talk to him so uh, some some star-studded names uh, as as long as well as Bruce Arians uh, and so and speaking uh, of we'll star-studded yeah we'll have Chris Torello on the podcast tomorrow ah okay all right yeah he's he's well back off his uh is what was it glamping he went glamping i believe last time yeah, we talked something to him. Like he that, was yeah yeah in the rv and uh yeah so that'll be fun the always entertaining chris Torello. also let's have a mailbag this week it's been a couple of weeks i think since we let's did that. Do that yeah let's do that later in the week yeah but you guys don't have to wait till later in the week no. if you want to send us in your questions please do um you can do that anytime really or if you got any questions or comments about this podcast what you'd like to hear just hit us up on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Erstick, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.